You are listening to Packers Now. Get the latest updates on the green and gold because it's always Packers season at Packers Now. Hello, everybody. I'm your host, Ben Kurkowski, and today we are going to dive into the salary cap situation for the Packers and what that means for the 2021 offseason. And so what is the salary cap? People say this all the time. Basically, the salary cap is your budget for the year for NFL teams. It's the limit of money that can be spent on their top 51 players on their roster every season. And so the total amount of cap space an NFL NFL team could have in 2020 to spend on their top 51 players was about $198 million. So uh, r- roughly $2 million per player. But with COVID and the loss of financial revenue coming, into the, uh, coming for the franchises in the NFL in 2021... Uh, the salary cap is set to go down. And so, and it's set to go down and this drop in the salary cap is the first time this will happen in a very long time. Uh, and the, and because of that, that is putting a lot of franchises like the Packers in a difficult situation. So last year, that salary cap was at 198 million. This year, it looks like it could be as low as 180 million. Uh, but many are speculating that number will be around 185 million for the 2021 season. And if that were the case, that would put up to 15 teams to start the league year in the negative. And the Packers are one of those teams, which means the Packers have a lot of work to do this offseason to put themselves in the positive and to still be able to build a winning roster. So, before the end of last week, based off of the predictions, the Packers would have been at a whopping total of about negative $27 million. Um, but the Packers made some moves last week that were huge in helping bringing that number down. Last week, at the end of the week, the Packers decided to release two players still on contract in right, take, t- right tackle Rick Wagner and linebacker Christian Kirksey from the roster. Right tackle Rick Wagner played a lot of snaps this year for the Packers, starting 11 games this season and playing at a career level for most of it, uh, only giving up about one to two pressures on average in each game that he played in. He was actually ranked eighth in the the NFL in pass block win rate, winning 92% of the time. Rick Wagner had a great season. Honestly, if the Packers weren't in such a bad place money-wise, it would have made sense to keep Rick Wagner just based off off of the fact that the Packers have David Bakhtiari, who is set to miss the start of the regular season as he recovers from an ACL tear. This move, though, did help create some some flexibility for the Packers, some uh, some money, and they saved $4.25 million of cap space, uh, but the Packers are most likely going to be relying on a rookie or a second-year guy to come in and play starting snaps because of this move. Uh, having an above-average offensive tackle in the NFL is actually hard to find, and paying one for just $4.25 million a year is actually a fairly good value, and so I am scared the Packers might be in some trouble going into next season on the offensive line because of this uh, decision they had to make, and it was the right decision. It was the only decision they really could make based off where the salary uh, cap is at and where the Packers' uh, salary cap specifically is at for them. Uh, but it is scary knowing how good of a season Rick Wagner did have after starting 11 games for the Packers this year. Uh, and now knowing we have that spot totally up in the air going into next season, the Packers also did cut Christian Kirksey. And this was a move that was a lot easier decision for the Packers personnel staff. Kirksey came in as the veteran who was supposed to run the defense as he used to do this in Cleveland with Mike Pettin and Mike Pettin, uh, pushed for him. 
and he came in and he struggled. He played the most snaps of all the linebackers on the team, yet had the worst pro football focus grade of them all. Kirksey played awful almost the entire season, and this move really hurt the Packers as they felt like this was a move that was going to really tighten up their defense, really going to make it solid. Uh, And luckily for the Packers, they could get out of this deal now, though, and still save some money. And due to the the release, the Packers saved about $5.6 million, giving the Packers a total of about $9.85 million back, which resulted... And the Packers now being projected about $17 million over the cap. So they're spending $17 million next year already more than they're supposed to based off their current top 51 contracts, and which means the Packers are going to need to create some space uh, to be able to work with this roster, be able to go into next season at a zero, at a balanced budget. And so let's run through some options for the Packers on how they can make this happen. The first obvious choice for the Packers to create a good chunk of cap space would be by cutting Preston Smith, edge rusher for the Packers. Preston Smith fell off a cliff in 2020 after having 62 pressures in 2019, which is a really, really good year. He only had 29 in, in, uh, 2020. So 2019 had 62, 2020, he had 29. So that's less than half the amount of pressures, even though he rushed the passer almost the same exact amount of times. Preston Smith has been a huge disappointment this season for the Packers, and not to mention Preston had a lot of one-on-one opportunities, as Zadarius was the second highest double-teamed edge rusher in the NFL this season. And if you are across from a guy that's schemed for you, <laughs> you should be making plays left and right, and Preston didn't do that. This year, Preston is set to make $16 million, but some of that money is guaranteed, and because of that, the Packers have two options. One, cut him now and take on $8 million of dead cap this season, or the Packers can designate Preston as a post-June 1st cut. Cap Challenge teams can designate a player as a post-June 1st cut and reduce the dead cap hit on their already tight 2021 budget, pushing it to 2022 when the NFL salary cap should be higher and the cost should be easier to absorb. So teams don't have to wait until June 1st to cut that player either. So this might be a great option for the Packers because if they uh, make Preston a uh, post-June 1st cut, they would only need to take on $4 million of that of that dead cap this season, and they can push the other $4 million to the 2022 season when the cap should go back up. I believe the Packers should make Preston a post-June 1st cut and get out of a $12 million or get a 12 million cap hit out of the books for this season, which would put the Packers at about 5 million over the cap. And so, uh, which is a lot lower based off what we just saw about a week ago, not to mention uh, David Bakhtiari did an extension, which also opened up about $8 million, I believe right before that. So the Packers have really made some serious moves to get towards that balanced budget. Uh, Next for the Packers, another way they can really create some cap space is moving on from, uh, from the edge with Preston, and now we're going to move into the interior defensive line, and there's one veteran player the Packers need to move on from, and that's Dean Lowry. Lowry played almost the most snaps of any interior defensive lineman for the Packers this season, even though he played terribly the entire time. Lowry started out his career as an above-average player and even became a good run defender in 2018, but over the last two, season, he, two seasons, he's really gone downhill quick. He has played a below average now two seasons in a row, and there are no obvious injuries that seem to be holding him back. The Packers need to replace Lowry with someone younger, faster, and more effective, which could really boost this defense. And with that move, the Packers will save another $3.3 million, which will put the Packers at about $1.7 million still over the cap. 
the great part about these uh, two moves on defense for the Packers is, or these three moves actually on defense for the Packers over the last uh, four days, or what I want these moves to be, is these are all players who had starting snaps for the Packers, but there's no reason other than their contract that they should be getting those snaps. Not only will these moves help the salary cap, like we were talking about here today, but these moves are going to result in the Packers having an overall just better defense. And if the Packers can just get above average play from these almost 2,200 defensive snaps between Christian Kirksey, Dean Lowry, and Preston Smith, that's going to skyrocket how impactful this defense can be next season for the Packers. Still, the Packers, in this scenario, if they were to cut Preston, cut Dean, uh, they're still with $1.7 million. The Packers still need to make moves, and there are ways of doing this to get the Packers in a better place, even by, by just cutting back end of the roster type of players. Like Devin Funches, fifth string receiver for the Packers, who opted out because COVID would save us $1.4 million. Oren Burks, fifth string linebacker this season, $900,000. Then five other guys you probably have basically never heard of before, and Bronson Kawafusi. Kivari Russell, Kadar Holman, Isaac Nada, and Anthony Rush. All of these guys are costing the Packers about 800, 800 to 900000 each um, next season. And the Packers would save about a total of another $6.7 million on those seven cuts. And that would put the Packers above the cap number, which is awesome, at about $5 million under the cap. So now the Packers have $5 million to spend in order to try and upgrade a team that has just missed the Super Bowl two seasons in a row. And how can the Packers do this with just $5 million to spend? They can't. They just can't. $5 million is not that much money. You need more money to do this. Honestly, just by signing the draft picks the Packers are expected to have in April, that will cost the Packers about $8.25 million, which again, will put the Packers over the cap at about $3 million over. If this is the case, the Packers would need to entirely upgrade their roster by players from within who are developing um, or through the draft. And I love the draft just as much as anybody. But I also know that it's very difficult to hit on a prospect and expect them to start in year one and be successful. The Packers currently right now will be without their starting running backs in Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, their center, Corey Lindsley, who's moving on, right tackle, who we just cut, Rick Wagner on offense, and the Packers will be without one of their starting interior defensive linemen, Dean Lowry, Preston Smith, an edge rusher, Christian Kirksey, our starting linebacker, and Kevin King, who's moving on in free agency uh, next season. Luckily for the Packers, it's likely that the Packers do have some players ready to step in and play at some of these key positions. Offensively, the Packers are ready to give the reins to A.J. Dillon, who had to sit behind two veteran running backs and Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams this year. But I totally believe uh, A.J. Dillon could be the starter for the Packers and do very well. On the offensive line, though, this will be a problem. The Packers will be without Bakhtiari to start the year, which means the Packers will probably have Elton Jenkins at left guard, Lucas Patrick at right guard, and Billy Turner at right tackle. The, these will leave, This will uh, result in leaving two holes to be filled. The Packers drafted three late-round interior offensive, offensive linemen last season, and maybe one of these three, John Runyon, Simon Stepaniak, or Jake Hansen, could come in and start at a center spot or start at a guard spot and move Jenkins to center. But honestly, I'm not too confident in any three of these guys are going to work out in the NFL. And I, I can't be sure, but I, I wouldn't be too sure of that happening. And even if one of these guys came through, the Packers still won't have a starting tackle ready to come in and play meaningful snaps 
on this roster, unless the Packers decided to run Elkton Jenkins at tackle until Bakhtiari was healthy, which is a real possibility. As good as Jenkins is, we've seen him play tackle, he can do it. And because of this, the Packers will need to find a starting tackle or a starting interior offensive lineman in this draft, which means the Packers will most likely have to draft two fairly early in order to hit on one of those guys being solid enough and ready to go for the start of this season. Defensively, the Packers have uh, the guy they want, if healthy, to replace to replace our interior defensive lineman we're losing in Dean Lowry. And that guy is Kingsley Kiki to take over as that starter on the interior defensive line. Kiki was above average this year as an interior defensive lineman, especially though he was known as a pass rusher, which is needed now more than ever from everyone on your defensive line. Then on the edge, the Packers are ready to give Rashawn Gary all the snaps he deserves on the edge as he continues to develop. And he finished the season, honestly, as one of the top pass rushers in the NFL over the last chunk of games. And he's really growing into the player the Packers hoped he could be. But the Packers still could really use another edge slash interior defensive lineman who could play meaningful snaps. While Kiki and Gary will probably play another 600 snaps between them both, they can't play any more than that. And the Packers need to add another one to two guys who could fill in here. And and so that's going to be important. That's going to be another place we're going to have to address in the draft. So we're talking about four draft picks right there between interior defensive linemen, edge rusher, and two offensive linemen. Offensive tackle and probably an interior offensive lineman. And then we go to linebacker. Uh, One of the holes we are losing this season with Christian Kirksey out. And that means linebackers Kamal Martin and Chris Barnes will be taking over in the middle of the defense. And I think, honestly, with a full offseason, I think these two guys could really develop into solid linebackers for the Packers, being just above average, which is all you need from the linebacker position. And I really liked what I saw from these guys. We really liked what we saw from Kamal Martin in training camp. He just got hurt, and that really set set him off and, and really put him behind everybody else. And I think next season, the linebacker position is going to be okay with Kamal Martin and Chris Barnes in the middle of our defense. But the Packers, the the one big hole I see here um, is the Packers could really use an upgrade at the corner spots. With Kevin King's contract is expired, we're not going to resign him, and the Packers don't have a number two starting corner ready to go behind him. And not only that, but the Packers are going to be relying on Chan Sullivan to be a starter in the slot, which I'm not too sure if that's a good idea either after he struggled this season just being below average overall. The Packers might look to play a defense that could take advantage of Josh Jackson's ability as a zone corner, but we still can't count on Josh Jackson to come through for the Packers either as he really hasn't lived up to to his second round draft status. Uh, I'd feel more comfortable with Josh Jackson and Shannon Sullivan as the backup boundary and backup slot corners, but I would really like to upgrade these two positions as well. That means the Packers would need to draft probably three cornerbacks and hope two of them would be ready to be upgrades, and that almost never happens, especially at the cornerback position. This means the Packers would need to hit on four of their draft picks to be ready to be starters this season, and then they would be ready to compete this season, but you can't trust that will happen. On average, I'd say you get two solid year one players from your draft class. This means the Packers are going to need to sign two of these guys they need as starters in free agency, which means the Packers need more cap space big time for them to do that. Brian Gudikins came out and said, hey, basically, if I were to sum up what Brian Gudikins said and some of his interviews, some of the vibes we're getting uh, is that he said something to the point of, hey, we know Rodgers isn't getting any younger. 
We want to win some Super Bowls. So if we were going to do that, we are going to need to mortgage the future a little bit. And how could the Packers do that? There are a few big ways the Packers can create cap space that wouldn't be by cutting some players, but would actually be by extending contracts or creating some current contracts into signing bonuses. Um, and the Packers actually just did this with David Bakhtiari. He was signed to a huge extension this season and to push some of his cat hit cap hit from 2021, they turned his roster bonus into signing bonus. And this is a, this is great for the player because Bakhtiari gets more money right now. And it's also great because then the Packers can push the money they paid him to come out of their budget in the future. And this move actually gave the Packers $8.3 million of flexibility before any of the numbers we talked about here today. The other restructuring the Packers could do is restructure Aaron Rodgers' contract. Aaron Rodgers is set to have a cap hit of about $37 million in 2021. What they could do is guarantee his contract over the next two to three seasons, pay him a bunch of money now, uh, right out of the pocket as a signing bonus, and then spread out that cap hit he would have this season over the two years after that. This could, the, this could give the Packers anywhere from 10 to $20 million of cap space to work with, which would be plenty of money to sign one to two major free agents the Packers need to fill some starting roles on their team. One big, one big role, uh, one big player who would be that extra edge rusher slash interior defensive lineman, and we all know who, who that guy should be, and that's J.J. Watt. Okay, Watt is a player that could bring this Packers team over the top. Watt, even though he is getting older, is still a deadly force that teams are very afraid of as he was the highest double-teamed edge rusher in the NFL last season, which just shows how good and scared teams are of him disrupting their offense's game plan. J.J. Watt could fit this edge interior defensive lineman need the Packers have greatly as the Packers could have him play our 3-4 defensive end position, which at his age could really boost his play greatly. It would, it would be even more difficult to be double-teamed as he wouldn't be on the very edge of our defensive line, and it would take advantage of his current strengths. Over the last two seasons, J.J. Watt has been an elite pass rusher when lined up inside the tackles. And over the last two seasons, he has been an elite run defender when lined up outside the tackles. J.J. Watt could make this defense dangerously good and would be guaranteed to be as terrifying as the Buccaneer defense looked like in the playoffs this season. That Bucks defense that won this that literally won them the Super Bowl. They're, the offense for the Bucks did not win them, them them the Super Bowl. The Bucks defense did. They had a few top interior defensive linemen with Nadonikin Sue and Vita Vea and dominant edge rushers in Shaq Barrett and Jason Pierre-Paul. Think about this Packers defense: dominant interior defensive linemen in Kenny Clark and J.J. Watt. Okay, already would take that over Nadonikin Sue and Vita Vea. And then you have two amazing pass rushers in Zadarius Smith and Rashawn Gary. That would be a special pass rush. This move to create this cap space also, not only would you be able to sign a player like J.J. Watt, who they need, but it would also make the reigning MVP in Aaron Rodgers very, very happy as well. Aaron Rodgers is going to play, and he's going to play well for a few seasons. The Packers made a great decision in taking a chance at a very talented QB in Jordan Love in last year's draft. That decision to draft Jordan Love should not keep them from doing what they have to do to win Super Bowls over the next three seasons. So to me, that means the Packers need to commit to Aaron Rodgers, make him comfortable, and then they need to use that money to help him win some Super Bowls. Winning a Super Bowl or two over the next three seasons might even allow Aaron Rodgers to consider continuing to play for the Packers for years to come at a discounted rate so that he could have more opportunities to do just that into his 40s. This is a plan that is very much worth taking. 
There was nothing that showed that Aaron Rodgers got lucky this season. He showed he was willing to change to make the offense more successful, and he was willing to do what he had to to stay healthy. If he can keep doing that, the Packers and Aaron Rodgers should make this move, guarantee his contract, and put themselves in the best place possible to win a Super Bowl over the next three seasons. Even with this move, though, you extend Aaron Rodgers, you sign J.J. Watt, the Packers would still be in a place where they would have about no cap space left, still needing to find three starters in the draft. And like I said before, the average draft class only finds about two starters in the first year. Because of that, the Packers still will need to create more space. And the best way to do that is by extending players you love. There is one player on the Packers roster right now who I think is on the last year of his contract and deserving of a contract extension, which could really help the Packers. And that's receiver Devontae Adams. Last season, He was the best receiver in the NFL. He's only 28 years old, and he deserves a lot more money for the type of play he has been able to have. No receiver wins all over the field like Adams does. He wins on every route, short, intermediate, deep, catch in traffic, touchdowns, deep catches, yards after catch, at the line of scrimmage. This guy is just amazing, and he really has proven himself as the top receiver in the NFL last season. But it wasn't just last season. Since 2016, no player has come even close to the amount of red zone touchdowns he has with 48. The next closest is Tyreek Hill with 37. Devontae Adams is on the last year of his deal, and he needs to be paid like the top receiver in the NFL. And because of that, the Packers should give him a three-year extension playing his last year when he's 32 years old. Then the Packers could take some of the money he was owed this year and push it back, opening up anywhere from 5 to $10 million. With this 5 to $10 million, the Packers could use that money to sign a veteran quarterback who fits the new defensive scheme well going into next season, who they believe could be the starter either in the slot or on the outside. I say corner as the spot because passing offenses is what wins right now in the NFL. If you can't stop opposing passing attack, you don't stand a, touch, stand a chance. If you get off to a slow start offensively, you need a defense who can give you a chance. The Packers could go grab a more versatile type of corner in Mike Hilton or Troy Hill, both of whom have experience on the outside and the inside, which would give the Packers flexibility next season. Or the Packers could grab a veteran corner they know well. In Xavier Rose, you might be a perfect fit into what the Packers look to employ next season defensively, which most predict will be a Vic Fangio type of scheme. But all three of these guys who could simply be okay players and maybe wouldn't make the significant difference that this Packers team needs to get to the Super Bowl. One player who could really make that difference could be Richard Sherman. Sherman has been the top corner in in football over the last 10 years, and he says he wants to play for two more seasons for a Super Bowl team. I'm, I'm unsure how he will be valued on the free agent market because of his injury concerns, but when he's played, he has been elite over the last two years. The top two corners in coverage over the last two seasons have been Richard Sherman, and Jair Alexander. And Richard Sherman, I don't believe, will get more than $8 million a year. And that could fit perfectly with that Devontae Adams extension. This is also a very unique free agency where a lot of talented players will have to sign very cheap team-friendly deals because of the impact COVID had on the salary cap. The Packers may wait it out and take as many of those one-year flyers of those middle-of-the-pack free agents who on a normal year would get the contracts they deserve, but this year they may have to settle to sign a one-year deal. And if that's the case, these one these mid-tier free agents are going to sign with a team that is about to win the Super Bowl so they can show themselves off, they can earn a huge contract for the next free agency. And Green Bay is up there as one of the favorites to win the NFC next season, and I see them as a favorite spot that players would like to go if they're going to sign a minimum veteran deal. So in conclusion, the Packers are in a little of a crunch. 
a little bit of a crunch when it comes to the salary cap, but nothing that is impossible to overcome as I have detailed here step for step. If the Packers don't want to rely on the draft to win the Super Bowl, which they shouldn't, but the Packers need more money to be able to fill these holes, so they need to cut the likes of Preston Smith, Dean Lowry, and those other seven low-level players I mentioned. Then the Packers need to guarantee Aaron Rodgers' contract to open up cap space, extend Devontae Adams for the three years to open up cap space. Then the Packers need to go out and sign one big free agent, preferably J.J. Watt, who I think would be a perfect fit for the Packers in what they need. And then hopefully even another one in either Richard Sherman or just a bunch of mid-tier veteran free agents who are going to come on cheap one-year deals with some great value for the Packers, which I really like the idea of even more than a Richard Sherman signing. Look for the Packers to start to make these moves in the next week or so in order to fix their salary cap situation and still be ready to compete in 2021 for a Super Bowl. So that's all we have today, folks. Make sure to stay tuned for more episodes of Packers Now. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe, give me a review so I can hear what you guys think about the podcast and tell your friends about Packers Now so that they can get all the latest updates on the green and gold because it's always Packers season at Packers Now. Thanks, guys.